Welcome. It's good to see everybody here this morning. We are on a 10-week series called How to Obtain Wisdom. Before we learn how to obtain it, we kind of need to know what it is. And uh, we've been using numerous definitions that pointing the same direction. But almost every sermon, we're trying to give different examples of what wisdom looks like, more so than even what the definition is. Uh, so wisdom is making the right decisions when the moral rules do not apply, is a, a statement that we've been using. But let me just give you another one. Wisdom is... Uh, bringing life to the decisions that you make, making a right decision that brings life. Uh, let's just uh, give you an example of money, for instance. You look at somebody who says, this person is wise with their money. Well, what does that mean if you're wise with your money? What, is that, what kind of context does that bring into? If a person is wise with his money, I think that you can see that that person brings financial gain by their money. I mean, somebody who has invested in different areas that will bring Money back, dollars back, I would call that with somebody wise with their money. Um, but they also um, have a good emotional return with their money as well. In other words, there's peace, um, there's not um, anxiety, there's not fear, there's not um, things that are really concerned, there's not a weight, money's not bringing weight, so they've, they've managed their money to the point, wise with their money to the point that uh, it does not bring hardship in their life, but it brings peace in their life. But also if you have somebody who's wise with their money, there's a spiritual return um, as well. Um, so, in other words, a person who's wise with the money looks at and see what God is doing out there in the world, and as they see what God is doing in the world, they get behind it with their dollars. That's somebody who is extremely wise, and that is the reason why God has even given us money, so we can get behind ministry with our dollars. And uh, somebody else is uh, wise with their money is, um, is looking for the eternal return as well. My money's not mine. My money's God's. Therefore, I will, I will, I will lay it down. So you look at this concept of, of wisdom, you have these four dynamics. Somebody has financial return, emotional return, spiritual return, and an eternal return. But if you just take, you know, one of those or two of those without taking all four of them, then they're not necessarily wise. I mean, for somebody that says, I just want good financial returns off my money, that's not really wise. And the reason why is because you're on a ship that is sinking and someday you will die and leave all your money behind. It's just, it's just not wise. But it's also not wise to say, I'm just going to give absolutely everything away and, um, and have absolutely um, nothing. It's not necessarily wise as well. So wisdom is making decisions with your money that brings life to your money, all the way from even here in this world, but also from eternal life, from that whole perspective. So wisdom is making choices that bring life. Now we can say that wisdom under the context of time, you use time to bring life, um, we could also say it's under the context of your position. I'm a boss. I'm a CEO of a company. My job is to bring life. Therefore, I will make wise decisions to bring life. So this is what wisdom is. It's making the right choices when the moral rules don't apply and all those choices that we need to make through life. topic of the sermon is how to obtain wisdom. We're going through Proverbs and defining these areas of how to obtain it and just kind of looking at the last couple weeks, read your word was number one. Fear God was number two. Get in touch with reality was number three. Uh, respond to God's reproof is number four. So if you take your money, you take your time, you take your decisions, you take your raising your children, and you're like, I want to be wise with all this, look at these and work off in the context of those as you make your decisions. So how to obtain wisdom? Number one, we'll uh, work off this one today. To obtain wisdom, you need to ask for it. This should not come as a surprise to anyone, because when we pray, it's like reaching up to heaven and bringing heaven down to earth. 
Every piece of blessing that we have comes through the, uh, comes through the act of prayer. But let's look at our passage in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 2, chapter 1 through 10, or Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And we'll just read it, and then you'll also see I have a couple other passages that kind of relate to it found in the book of James. And we'll read our passage and then work through it. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call for insight and cry out loud for understanding, if you look for her as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds wisdom in store for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. Then you'll understand what is right and just and fare every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And then James 1, 5 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So we have a simple statement that if you want to obtain wisdom, you need to ask. But let's look in this verse and find the dynamics of what it means to ask inside of this verse as we work through it. Number two, wisdom is found in the process of the asking not as an outcome to the question. We have corporate prayer here, and as we do corporate prayer, we have four times during the week. Um, It's where we meet as a body, and we pray for 50 hours. Um, Last um, corporate prayer we had for missions, which was in January, we had 1,300 hours total of everybody coming together and praying together. Now, as we're praying together, we we have requests. And the request that we have this last time was we're praying for the missionaries. Pray for strength. Pray for peace. Pray for opportunity. Pray for open doors. Consistently praying for the ministry or the missions ministry. That is our direction, um, and that's where we're pushing. But there is a lot of things that happen outside of our direction. In other words, we will pray specifically for this, and we will ask specifically for this. But do you understand the dynamics of corporate prayer, what really happens? We have a church that is completely unified. Um, Our church is working with one mind, one heart, one direction. Where do we credit that to? We credit it into all coming together under corporate prayer, asking for something. And as we are asking, and in that process of asking, unity is taking place within our hearts. Unity is taking place within our body. Unity is not the only thing that takes place within our body. Is that love is taking place in our body. When we work together on that mission and we're petitioning God say for the missionaries before the throne, something is happening there that is bringing us closer together, that is making us strong. We are going to the battlefield together, and we're walking out of that corporate prayer, and I would genuinely say that we love each other inside of this congregation. There is an energy that takes place beyond us asking, just for missionaries. We're just talking about missionaries, but there is an energy that takes place in our heart that is thrusting us into the harvest that says we have a mission to do outside of even our missionaries, but we have a mission to do inside of our work. And therefore, our body is instantly being thrust out the ho- in, the, in the harvest through the process of that corporate prayer. So corporate prayer is, yes, asking for something, but is that God's ultimate mission is to just grant the request of what we ask for? 
Or does he have a, another mission that even works inside of that request that he has accomplished and that we don't even understand? But it's all taken place. Today we have a um, sportsman show down at the, the fairgrounds. And yesterday we had, the last two days, we had 3,500 people uh, walk through the doors of that sportsman show. The amount of labor, the amount of work, the amount of unity that is required, the amount of energy to even put something on like that, um, where do you get that? You get that from the base of prayer. And I think if we look back through the history, you could get that through the base of even corporate prayer, that when we pray for specifically things, the specific answers are not the only thing we're receiving. We're receiving so much more in the dynamics of praying for something that we don't even give credit to often. Muscles are built by lots of exercise. Wisdom is built by lots of prayer. So if you just come and say, I want wisdom, God, give me wisdom, wisdom is not going to come your direction. Why? Because when you exercise a little, you get little muscles. When you exercise a lot, you get lots of muscles. When you want wisdom, it is in the asking that you get it, not in the request that it is given. Just like intelligence is built by studying and spending a lot of time, wisdom is built by spending a lot of time asking. In the process of the asking, God is doing something to you, and when it comes to wisdom, he is giving you wisdom in the processes of the prayer that we're praying in the process of the asking of it. This is in the passage, Proverbs 2, 1. Let's just look at the verbs. I pulled some verbs out, so, or pulled some words out so we can see it clearly. But if you call, cry, look, search, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Now, these are words are not singular words that are just stated, and all you have to do is say it once. It is a consistent calling. It is a consistent crying. It is a consistent searching. It is a consistent looking. And then in that process, you will do what? You will start understanding the fear of the Lord in the asking of it rather than by the request of it. Number three, in the process of the asking, God will give you his mind. I know my wife's mind more than anybody else knows my wife's mind. Why? Well, we've been married for 23 years, and there was a time... um, 23 years ago, that I called, cried, looked, searched, and gave her a ring. Um, And in that process, what took place? Marriage took place. But that was not the call, cry, search, ask, give the ring, good, I'm done. Now I know her mind, and I get to spend the rest of my life with her. That's not the way it necessarily works. It takes a consistent calling, crying, looking, searching, asking with a promise, yes, that it's a ring, but using her as, loving her as my wife. And in that process of walking together, that is when I understand her mind. That's when I start to understand her heart. That's when I understand her life. Relationships are built by the spending time together, just like wisdom is built by spending time in the process of asking. Again, going back to our passage, pulling things out of it. Proverbs 2, if you call, cry, look, search, then you'll do what? In that process, you will find the knowledge of of God. So therefore we think, oh, if I just ask, he's going to grant it to me. No, inside of the asking, he is going to be granting it to you. Number four, in the process of the asking, God will teach you how to handle wisdom. I think it's very clear that God loves you. If you read the Bible, you're just pouring out of the pages. Uh, God loves you. God cares about you. God forgives you. God has given, wants to give you life. God wants to give you joy. God wants to give you happiness. Therefore, I'll ask this question, why haven't you won the lottery? 
I mean, why not? If God wants to give me joy, God wants to give me happiness, why can't he just let me win the lottery? Um, The reason why he won't let you win the lottery is because he knows what the lottery would do to you. And he loves you too much to give it to you. It's a really interesting request. God, please help this ticket to win. God probably looks at the ticket and says, this ticket will sink you to the grave. Therefore, I love you too much to allow the ticket to win. And we can see the statistics on the lottery and what it does to people and how it literally destroys people. Who's the wisest guy in the world? Wisest, oh, besides Jesus. I'll talk about Jesus in a second. But besides Jesus, who's the wisest guy in the world? His name was Solomon. He's the one that wrote the book of Proverbs. Solomon, if you look at his age and day, um, he was expected to be the Messiah. Uh, He had a lot of the credentials to be the Messiah. One credential that he had to have was was through the bloodline of David, through the genealogy of David, uh, to be the Messiah. So when David died, who was the Messiah if you were living then? It was going to be Solomon. Why? Because he was the one that's right after David. He also had the credential of being the wisest man that ever walked on earth. People saw his wisdom, and it was beyond and above every single person. Uh, He was also passionate about doing what? Building the temple. Spent many years in building God's temple. Passionate about what God wanted. This person had more wisdom than you can possibly ever imagine. And in the process of having more wisdom, he had more wealth, more prosperity, more fame, more strength, more prestige. He had everything a human being could ever want. We look at the Bible, what is the greatest lesson you can learn from Solomon? The greatest lesson you can learn from Solomon is how wisdom, wealth, money, and prosperity ruined him. Proverbs 2, we see it in our passage. If you call, cry, look, search, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the ones that do it. Well, what is victory? Just letter A will explain what victory is. Wisdom comes with riches, honor, wealth, and prosperity. And we can give a whole other list of what it comes with because Proverbs is full of it. He says, go after wisdom instead of your life. Go after wisdom because it will pour much into you. Proverbs 8, 12, just one verse. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. With me, wisdom, are riches, honor, enduring wealth, and prosperity. God wants people to be wise. But if there is a wise person that's walking on earth, there's something that's going to come his way, according to Proverbs. Because this is not talking about heaven. What's going to happen is riches, honor, enduring wealth, and prosperity. But this is not the only verse that says, if you're wise, things are going to come your way. Look at verse, chapter 2, and I don't have it down, but right hand is long life, and left hand is, is wealth and honor. And, and it says, seek her more than gold and rubies and priceless jewels, because it's so much more priceless than anything you can possibly imagine if you have wisdom. We underestimate the power of riches, honor, wealth, and prosperity, but the Bible does not. And that's why Jesus said the word, it's easier for a rich person to go through the camel, the eye of a needle, than it is for a rich person to get to heaven it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Jesus is making a very strong statement that riches are big. And therefore, I can't just dump wisdom on anybody. Because if you dump wisdom on anything, things are going to come his way. Things maybe like the lottery. Come your way. Those things will come your way. And as those things come your way, 
you've got to watch out. Now, does the Bible consistently talk about this? Yes, I would say it does. Paul was probably one of the most righteous persons that walked on earth, and Jesus, God was going to give Paul a lot of honor. You can write the 12 epistles, and this will be my words. Um, therefore, write them. He had a lot of prestige, lots of honor, um, lots of power, and lots and lots of wisdom. But there was a download of wisdom that he received in one moment. And what was that time? That was a time that he was being stoned and he died. And when Paul died, what did it take place? This is 2 Corinthians 12. He went into the third heaven. And when he went into the third heaven, what did he see? He saw God in his glory. He saw what he owned. He saw what he possessed. He saw everything. It was a matchless beauty that he says, his response is, it was so big, my, I, I, it was beyond the human mind that I cannot even speak about. Now, after he came down with this massive download of wisdom, what did God do? God said, I'm concerned about you, Paul, that with what you saw, you will exalt yourself, that the riches, glory, honor, and beauty that you saw, you will do something to give yourself something. Therefore, I will stick a thorn in your flesh to humble you. I mean, we're talking about Paul. We're talking about Paul that is just about as righteous as could be, but he says, well, wisdom, honor, wealth, all this beauty that you saw, I'm going to stick a thorn in your flesh for the process of making you remain humble. Let's just look at a mathematical problem that um, takes place in every one of our lives, and, and it's number B, riches plus honor plus wealth plus prosperity automatically equal greed, pride, selfishness, and arrogance. And what I mean by automatically is in our nature to pull towards those directions because there's no sin in riches. There's no sin in honor. There's no sin in wealth. And it's not a sin to have prosperity. But our responses to those, what? Create some of the greatest sins that we can possibly ever have, which is greed, pride, selfishness, and arrogance. And God has wisdom, wants to give people wisdom but the problem why he doesn't give wisdom is because many of us can't handle it. And we can look at it and say, well, we can't handle it. What do we mean you can't handle it? Well, wisdom, mathematical figure, look at it. It brought Solomon down. Look at it from Paul. This mathematical figure, Paul was faced with it. It had, took a thorn to go into Paul's flesh to make sure that he doesn't bring him down if he's going to get wisdom. But then we also see this mathematical figure with Jesus Christ. Jesus left heaven, came to earth as God. If there's anybody that showed up with an extreme power, the person that showed up with my words are God's words, showed up with extreme power, it is Jesus Christ. And when he came, he said, what is my goal? I'm going to lay down my life so they can live. He had all wisdom wrapped up into him, but he managed the wisdom, he managed the wealth, he managed the prosperity, and he managed the power. And he brought it all to the cross and laid it down for us. Therefore, when you ask for wisdom, I encourage you to ask for two prayers. Because number one, if you ask, God wants to give it to you. But carry these two prayers. Number one, God, please give me wisdom. Ask that every day. But follow up your prayer. And God, destroy in me every lofty thought. Break my pride to pieces and scatter it to the wind. Annihilate each clinging shred of self-righteousness and implant in me true lowliness of spirit. Open to me a fountain of tears. Break me, then bind me, so that people can see your beauty in my disgrace. God, please protect me from the applause of man, the smiles of prosperity, the wealth that has potential to send me to the grave, the blessing that I can easily change to curses. For God, I know that I'm incapable of being used by you, 
if I use your wisdom to bring glory to, your, to my name rather than yours. Wisdom, you read Proverbs, it comes with power. It comes with responsibility. But what it does often is it ruins people as they take the power and take the responsibility. Therefore, yes, ask for wisdom, but in the asking of wisdom, there has to be something else that has to take place. And what is that? It has to be an education of how to handle it. That's why you don't ask once and get the dump. You consistently ask because as you consistently ask, that asking will give you the strength to be able to manage it. Number five, in the process of the asking, God will guard your course and protect your ways. Years ago, I was hiking in the Wallowa wilderness, and I was by myself, and there was a forest fire. I was not a threat to me um, until I got lost. And when I got lost, I just kept on walking and wondering, and it seemed like I was migrating towards the forest fire, walking towards the forest fire, and I knew I was off the beaten path. And I will tell you that as I got to every crossroad, as I walked on the path and took every step as I was getting exhausted, and the smoke seemed like it was getting closer and closer, um, I was praying every step of the way. God, is this the right path? God, is this the right direction? God, should I turn around now? Should I not turn around now? As I'm trying to explore to find the way, I'm consistently asking. It did not ask once before I went hike and say, God, make sure I don't get lost and know the way, and I was done. But no, as I was walking on the path, there was a guiding and there was a direction. God, help me. God, let me know. This is what life is. Life is not you ask once and then you get. Life is, I'm at a crossroad. God, give me wisdom. I'm taking a step. God, give me wisdom. God, I'm waking up this morning and I'm going to the job. God, give me wisdom. It's a consistent walking with God and a consistent asking. Proverbs 2.1, if you call, cry, look, search, then you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And then look at 8 and 9. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every single good path. Uh, wisdom is not a door that you open. It's a path that you walk. And we're going to get more into this in the next couple of weeks. But when you're looking at a decision, it's not like, okay, i got to open the door to make the right decision. It's a path that you continually walk that will lead you into the right decisions and lead you into the right areas. And the path that we have to walk in is a path of continually asking. Number six, wisdom comes through our asking, not because of it. Many prayer requests um, aren't answered that we give. And we'll give a prayer request and we'll ask and we'll beg and we'll plead. But are those prayer requests not answered or are they answered the way that God wants to answer them? In other words, many people say, God, please change my situation. Is there times that God changes your heart in the process of asking him to change your situation? That's the power of prayer. I won't change your situation, but I'll change your heart. Every day I thank God for not answering one of my prayers. One of my prayers was, God, please help me to get this position at the church because I think that it is your will. And therefore, what did I do? I kept on asking and asking and asking and asking. And God said, no, 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 threw that in my face, and I ended up here at Jefferson Baptist Church. 
And again, I thank God every single day for not ask, answering that prayer. But as I look back on that situation, what was God doing inside of my prayers? Um, I see that God was looking at me on my knees, begging and pleading as a broken individual, and possibly looking down at me and say, boy, you are a person that's willing to pray. Maybe I'll put you in a church that is willing to pray for you. And again, I thank God every day for that. But that's not what I was praying about. I was praying for something else, but still there was something else that was coming my way of God's working in that process. James 1, 5 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. We quote that verse often. You want it? Just ask. James 4, 2 reiterates that. You do not have because you do not ask God. These are another ones that we quote. But let's finish the verse in James 4. When you ask, because there's a condition, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. See, God is wanting to drop wisdom on you. But I will say that God is concerned about dropping wisdom on us. Because what takes place is that's when we're going to get responsibility. That's when we're going to get um, opportunity. That is when we're going to get riches. That's when we're going to get pleasures. It comes with a lot. And in that process, we've got to be careful um, as we ask. Number seven, wisdom will give you everything your heart really wants. That is why we must be trained in the process of the asking. God knows what you want better than you do. If God gives you wisdom, you will find everything you want. But before we get what we want, we need to be trained to handle it, and the training is the spending time, spending the time asking. There is a process in our asking, and that process in our asking is God, give me wisdom, and then not leaving that place ever as you're asking for it. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And in that process, you are not only be given wisdom, you are being trained to be able to handle wisdom if wisdom comes your direction. In closing, God wants to give you wisdom, but he also doesn't want to ruin it by giving it to you. Therefore, yes, he will hold it back if you're not willing to plead consistently, daily, not willing to go into the training of being able to manage it and handle it. Father, we just thank you for desiring to give us wisdom, and we just pray that we will be responsive uh, to your word in the asking of it. Uh, God, we want, to be um, we want to be challenged and changed, God, by your mind, not ours. And uh, God, we just understand that prayer is what does it. And I just pray, God, that as a church and as a people and as individuals, we would be aggressive, God, in prayer, aggressive in asking, aggressive in desiring to be changed, aggressive in desiring to have your mind, your heart, your will in our lives. And God, I just pray that um, as we um, desire that, we'll be diligent in the asking. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.